want Bearcats. I, I love the Bearcats. I like Luke Fickle. He brings the table. I like Bearcats. Lock in mid post. Great spin move. Reverse layup. Oh, oh. And it's good for Victor Lockett. What a move. Looked like Bill Walton out there. On back to throw. Looking. Scrambling. Passes. Intercepted at the goal line. The Bearcats have the football. Sauce Gardner picking off the pass as Cincinnati denies Notre Dame in the red zone. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. Double tight ends in for Cincinnati. Ritter will hand it off. Jerome Ford bouncing it to the left. There he goes. To the 30. Pulling away like Secretariat at the Belmont. Touchdown. Bearcats as Jerome Ford takes it to the house to give Cincinnati a three-score lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. I am your host, Brandon. Thank you for tuning in once again. I think we've got a pretty good episode here for you as we have Ian Cummings back on the podcast. He is a draft analysis for Pro Football Network, PFN. Uh, Returning guest of the show, I think this is his third time. He's going to break down where he sees some Bearcats landing in, in the upcoming NFL draft. To make this episode even a little more unique, coming to you live, I guess you could call it live, from the Delhi Liquor Store tap room here on location, got a, a mobile setup, drinking beers, and we're about to talk to Ian. Of course, it's already time for a beer here at the, at the liquor store. Uh, the first one I went with here, Orange Julius, you betcha, six and a half percent from Sonder Brewing up in Mason. To me, arguably one of their best beers. Uh, it's it's thick. It is definitely a uh, a milkshake IPA. The lactose, vanilla, creaminess with the orange kind of reminds you of a orange creamsicle. Delicious stuff here. And like I said, arguably one of their best beers. Easily a four out of five. Maybe maybe four and a half out of five. Might have to update that. Uh, let, let's bring Ian on right away here let's get started let's see if the the bearcats can't get another nine guys drafted in this year like we did last year ian doesn't think it's it's quite that high but let's see let's see what he's thinking here and and where we can expect some bearcats to land this week all right ladies and gentlemen we are joined by a, a returning guest a returning voice to the podcast. We have Ian Cummings from uh, the Pro Football Network. He is a draft analysis. He does great a great job breaking down all kind of college players, whether it's Bearcats or, or anyone. If you're a college football fan, you should check it out. We will be sure to ask him where to find all of his works. Third-time guest on the show, if I'm not mistaken. Ian, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. I remember it feels like yesterday we were talking because I remember last cycle, I think we talked before the season and then after the season before the draft. But um, Cincinnati had a very, very good class last year. I mean, Sauce Gardner, I mean, coming out and just dominating the league right away. But, you know, even beyond him, Alec Pierce was a phenomenal prospect. You know, they, Majay Sanders as well, a guy that I was high on. 
they really had a talent-laden class last year. You know, it's it's a high bar to clear. Brian Cook as well at safety. But, you know, they've got some guys this year, too. It's always a fun team to, to look at as the draft rolls around. Absolutely. Super Bowl champion, Brian Cook. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't forget that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, let, let's kind of get into it here. You know, we had nine Bearcats drafted. Sauce Gardner, of course, being sort of the marquee uh, headliner for, for the Bearcats. Um, he had a, a great year, obviously. Is I, I don't look for the Bearcats to repeat that sort of performance in, in this year's NFL draft. Uh, I, I think it's it's realistic to maybe have seven guys drafted w- with maybe three guaranteed. What uh, what what, are, what is your outlook for for the Bearcats this time around? Yeah, I think it'll be a little a slightly lower number. I think um, you know. There's always a misconception when draft season rolls around, like just being drafted straight up is an impressive feat. You know, like there's only like 270 players that are drafted, well over a thousand enter the undrafted pool. So the the percentage, the hit rate, you know, it's it's really small. So just to be in that discussion is is a feat. You know, that to you know be proud of if you're a player. Uh, the Cincinnati class this year probably won't have as many. I think you're looking at Tyler Scott as one of the locks. You're looking at maybe Arquan Bush as one of the locks. Ivan Pace Jr. for sure. Um, after that, it gets a little dicey. I really like Trey Tucker. I think he should be drafted. Um, but, you know, aside from that, you know, Josh Weil is another guy who could potentially be selected. But the guarantees kind of fall off after that top group. Now, you still got guys who could be considered. Um, but I think that's when, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And ultimately, you know, there's a lot of teams on day three where, you know, they kind of end up taking their guys go, going against the grain. So, you know, all it takes is for a team to like really like one guy. You know, maybe he fetches a sixth or seventh round pick. You know, this guy like uh, Jeremy Cooper or James Tunstall, maybe they sneak in there. But, you know, that could happen. But, you know, I think odds are you're looking at four or five selections and the rest in the undrafted pool. And from there, they can carve out a career, too. You know, that's that's not uncommon. So I think it's a talented class. It'll be a little downtick from last year. But like we said, it was a high bar to clear with Sauce Gardner in, in the field. You bring up a lot of names that participated in, in UC's Pro Day uh, not that long ago. They had, well, I think, 15 guys participate in that. They didn't quite get there for the NFL Combine. I think they had six guys participate. Um, and one guy I wanted to talk to you about is kind of a polarizing figure, depending on who you talk to in the NFL from scouts or, or what have you. So I really wanted to get your opinion on a guy like Ivan Pace. His, you know, he spent three years in the Mac at, at Miami, Ohio, and then came to Cincinnati for one year and just was an absolute star for the Bearcats defense. Uh, but whether you look at the numbers, look at the production on the field, the, the one thing that people are afraid of is his size so is that going to play a big part when it comes to getting his name called in the draft? I think maybe it'll dilute his stock a little bit. Like we're talking maybe a guy who was potentially late day two, maybe he falls to day three, but he'll be selected at some point. You know, I don't think that's something that you have to be concerned about. I think, you know, with size, especially a linebacker, right? Unless you're an absolute outlier, um, you know, as long as he's what he's five ten and a half, right? Over two hundred and twenty pounds, two twenty two is pretty rocked up for five ten and a half. I mean, that's that's a dense, compact player. So, and the, the, I think the play strength shows up on tape. I mean, you know, five ten and a half is a little bit smaller than usual, but he's definitely strong enough to you know stack and shed blocks at the second level. You know, I don't think it's too much of a liability for him. 
And I mean, the production behind the line of scrimmage speaks for itself. I mean, this is a guy who not only is combative and, and strong enough against blocks, but really also knows how to flow downhill. He's got good spatial awareness, very, very aggressive, explosive player. I think one of the biggest things for him at his size was testing well enough, right? And I think the numbers, 4, 6, 2, 40-yard dash, 35-inch vertical, you know, I think those are good enough. I think those pass the threshold for what you're looking for at that size uh, with the instincts and the aggressiveness, the the, ver the really fast play pace that he provides at that size, you know, enough strength, tackling ability, finishing ability, and then the pass rushing element too. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, you don't want him, you know, going one-on-one -on -one against the tackle, but as a delayed blitzer, right? I mean, I think there's a lot you can do with him there too. So I think at some point, He's going to win over coaches with his play style um, because, he, you know, if you put him in the right role, that attacking downhill role, and he can play coverage, right? But I think where you want him is where he excels the most, which is attacking downhill, you know, combating blocks and really just making plays behind the line of scrimmage, kind of sneaking through gaps, and he can do all of that. So I think he will be drafted at some point. Maybe the size pushes him from late day two to early day three, but I think he'll definitely be in that middle round range, in my opinion. I, I certainly hope he gets drafted. I think, uh, you know, his numbers jump off the page. You know, when when you're looking at his production at Cincinnati, I mean, he had what 136 tackles total in one season. Um, it seemed like if it seemed like he was had a hat to the ball every single play that he was he was in there to uh, just, just kind of blew me away. Really, I don't I don't know I don't know how to explain it. I, I did not expect him to to be able to to do what he did here. I remember there was a game at Miami of Ohio where I think he had six sacks in one game, right? I mean, he just he'll he'll go off for stretches, right? And it's just it's weird because like you wouldn't expect it for a guy his size. I think he had 19 tackles for loss in Cincinnati too, but I mean, he just gets the job done. He just produces. I mean, sometimes there's obviously little nuances that go into it, but you know, at a at a certain point, you just have to give a guy credit for being that productive that often. And Ivan Pace definitely checks the box. Let's uh. Let's switch sides, switch sides of the ball here, and, and talk about uh, my guy Josh Wiley, big tight end, six six, two thirty five. I think he had a a pretty good pro day, and uh, he's the all time leader at UC in touchdowns for a tight end, uh, as a place that is a sort of a self proclaimed tight end. You, what what is the outlook for for Josh Wiley ahead of the draft? Yeah, yeah, I think I remember we talked about him last last cycle too. You know, as a guy to keep an eye on. I've he he's still one of my guys that I've circled on day three. You know, I'd love to get him. You know, get a good value deal on him because I do think I, I still think he has room to get stronger, right? And I think that shows up six six and a half under two hundred fifty pounds, right? Uh, and as a blocker, still some areas for improvement there. You still see on tape overshooting angles at times, not really be able being able to sustain a contact. So you know, I think that will weigh him down because especially if you're a tight end that's not a you know a freak right you know maybe you know it, it, it kind of dilutes your stock in the middle rounds if you, if you don't have that elite blocking utility right so i think that may push him down i think leonard taylor is the better blocker if that's what you're looking for but wiley for sure you know i think one of the the, the first things that i brought up last time we spoke about him was super smooth athlete at his size and that shows up on tape very smooth very fleet-footed uh, really just effortlessly traverses the field and you know once when you get him in space he's very good I think at getting open you know I think he has good separation ability good change of direction for his size and I think he ran a 4.69 at the combine so 
which is a solid time for his size. You know, he's a guy who has enough long strider speed to use those seams and be that seam threat. Then, as you mentioned, too, you know, he's got enough size and length to work in the red zone. He's got really good catching instincts, really good body control, flexibility as well. So, you know, I think, you know, you're probably going to have him in a niche receiving role early on, right? Because I don't think especially with his his lighter frame and then you know he's got decent length but 31 and a half inch arms not elite length for his size right so that could also affect him when he's making the adjustment to the nfl playing his nfl defenders at the contact point but i do think as a receiver as a niche receiver i would really like his smooth athleticism in-house you know i think you can use him on drags you know motions and you know kind of get him into space that way get him moving before the snap but he also has a pretty good route arsenal too. He's got outs, he's got digs. You know, he can he can also go up the seam. I think there's some versatility there. So I'm a big fan of him in the day three range. I think that's ultimately where he goes. But you know, at that point, I would be willing to take flyer on him because I think at his maximum projection, you're looking at a guy who can really provide value for you on the receiving end. I I know the, uh, with with Hayden Hurst signing with I believe the Panthers. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I know the the Bengals just signed a tight end, but there's, I mean, Josh Wiley's a Cincinnati kid. Obviously, he went to UC. I know there's a lot of people hoping that the Bengals look his way in in one of those middle middle rounds. I, I certainly w- would love to see that as well. That'd be quite something to see Joe Burrow throwing his way on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, but l- let me let me ask you about sort of. I'm going to call it like a, a sleeper, I guess, for Cincinnati. There's a couple bigger names that we'll get to here in a moment. But I, I want to ask you about a guy, maybe not maybe not on your radar, maybe not on a lot of people's radar, uh, but it is Lorenz Metz. He's an offensive lineman, six foot nine, 330 pounds. At, uh, I think at Pro Day, he was repping like 225 pounds 26 times, just like a, a massive unit of a man. Uh, he's a guy that in his sort of underclassman years, I was not a fan of. Uh, he he had the yips at times, way easy uh, to draw off sides on, on a hard count or, or anything as, as the offensive lineman. Uh, a lot of false starts. And as he got older each year, he got, he got better and better. Just the sheer size of him, what's the, the, the likeliness that a, a team makes him a project this year? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question. I think, to be honest, I haven't, I haven't refreshed on his most recent tape. I think uh, I need to, I need to kind of round out my, my bases there. But you know, obviously, the size is the first thing that stands out. I mean, massive, six foot nine lineman, and you know, reading his background, he's got experience both guard and tackle, which that also, you know, that's a big thing, especially for day three guys. If you have versatility, right, because you're probably not going to be starting right away. Maybe you never start, but just having a guy in the wings who ha- who can play both spots if needed is very valuable. And so I think that definitely stands out. Uh, and then 26 reps, I mean, you mentioned that, that that alone shows good strength, but especially with 34-inch arms or over 34-inch arms, right? So he's got to go down more. You know, that's a pretty impressive feat. Usually guys with longer arms, maybe they don't have as much output on the bench press. Now, I will say, you know, bench press in general is not a one-to-one indicator of, you know, play strength on the field because it's a chest workout, right? You know, it's not, it's not completely indicative. So I think you know, people tend to use it as that, but it's it's more of just, you know, it's it's one measure. It's not a complete measure, but it's impressive. It's very impressive to see, you know, a guy with long arms like that putting up that kind of number. Uh, and then his numbers from the pro day, you know, at 6'9", 316, running a 5'3", 40-yard dash, 26 and a half inch vert. You know, those aren't terrible numbers for that size. 
One thing that I always worry about, you know, there is a level to yeah, size is always valuable at offensive tackle. But, you know, people talk about why do you like taller tackles? It's not necessarily them being taller. It's having longer arms. That's more beneficial. Right. You know, that's why you like taller guys, because usually there's a positive correlation there. But there does reach there is a point of diminishing returns if you're like six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot nine, where you have that length. But at offensive tackle, you also need proper leverage. You need to be able to bend your knees. You need to be able to sink your hips and, you know, really get inside the torso of your opponent. Because if you play too tall, they can get under you and they can work you off of that. So I think, you know, that's going to be an issue potentially at the next level. And like I said, I need to refresh his most recent tape because some guys can manage that. I think Dewan Jones of Ohio State is kind of proof of that. In this cycle, uh, he's a guy who really improved that leverage management across his career. You know, obviously being as tall as you are, you know, you're going to have issues occasionally. You can manage it, but it can be an issue too. Uh, I would, you know, just looking at his mold, would probably prefer right tackle at the next level because, you know, having a taller guy out there, if he did need to start, if he did need to play, you know, the quarterback has the right tackle in his line of vision. So if, if he misses misses a step, you can evade more easily. But uh, I think just looking at the size, the strength, there's a lot to be intrigued by. All right. Very nice. Uh, like I said, I, I think he could be a sleeper if, if a team is – is looking for a, a project or something just because, I mean, he's just a, a massive guy. Yeah. Um, I, I think two guys that most Bearcats fans would expect to be drafted would be wide receiver Tyler Scott and wide receiver uh, Trey Tucker. What What is, uh, I mean, you can, in, in, in any order, talk about either of those two guys and, and what they could possibly bring or, or what you see on their tape. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because they're both kind of similar receivers, honestly. You know, I think uh, they're both – the word that comes to mind for me is dynamic. Um, I mean, and that shows up with the testing. Both of them ran a 4-3-9, uh, very explosive guys. I don't have the explosiveness testing from the combine on hand. I know Tucker performed very well there, and I think Scott did too. Uh, but those are two guys who, you know, they gear up instantly. They've got very good speed when they're in an open field. Uh, Tyler Scott in particular, he's been getting a lot of hype as that vertical threat. And I think that's where he's going to excel early on in the league. Is, um, he's one of those guys who, you know, especially when he's working vertically, right? I think one thing he can improve at is, you know, on those quick curls and comebacks, right? You know, he's not great at selling ahead of stems, right? He still has room to improve as a route runner. But working vertically, working in the deep third and the intermediate third, uh, he's very good at manipulating defensive backs with leverage. And then once he gets into space, you know, he's 5'10", so he's a little bit lighter, but he's got enough long strider speed to really open up and just, just kind of blaze upfield and get separation. And then from there, uh, one thing that really impressed me on, on Scott's tape in particular is that, you know, when the ball's in the air, he's very good at attacking the football. He's got phenomenal catching instincts. He's not one of those smaller guys who kind of plays within his frame. He's willing to extend beyond his frame and just snare the ball out of the air, make some crazy, you know, gravity-defying catches. Uh, and so that's one thing that I really want from a guy. You know, if he's going to be a downfield threat, you need to convert, right? Because those are big opportunities. Got to take advantage of him. He's shown he can. And I think he's got good run out of catchability, too. Uh, you know, you can get him, you know, touches in the short range on, say, you know, motions, drag routes, right? So that's part of his game, too. Uh, Trey Tucker, though, I think, you know, if, if people like Scott, Trey Tucker can't be too far behind, right? Because I think Tucker, you know, is another very dynamic receiver. There was one rep from 2021 that I remember. It was against Kyle Hamilton, right? I think everyone saw that one where he just dusted Kyle Hamilton with a, yeah. quick, a, a quick jab step, you know, and then out to the out to the end zone fade, I think. But, I mean, man, he's just 
He is so twitchy. I think he's twitchier than Scott. I think Scott's a little more explosive uh, in the deep range. He's not explosive, but I think he's a little bit better at managing and you know, kind of maximizing his explosiveness. But Trey Tucker, man, I mean, he's super twitchy. I mean, it shows up on run-after-catch opportunities. Very high-energy player with a ton of just amped-up movement, you know, super lightning-quick feet. Uh, I love that part of his game. I think that especially in the short range, getting him that run after catch, that's phenomenal. But he's shown that he can make tough catches too. You know, he's actually a, a few times this past year over the middle of the field, you know, impending contact, keeping the ball, you know, within his frame. So I'm a big fan of him too. I think Tyler Scott, you know, has a little bit more on his tape when it comes to really converting downhill and making those acrobatic catches when he needs to, you know, inaccurate throws beyond its frame. Can you convert? He's shown he can do that to a higher degree. But Tucker is another explosive, amped up guy that I would just love to get in my offense for you know a little bit of a lightning spark. And I think that at his maximum potential, he's got the twitch, he's got the stopping ability, he's got the hip sync. He can be a very good separator too. So you know I would probably get him in my rotation. He can be a run after catch, downfield threat early on, but maybe morph into a very very good slot receiver with motion capabilities as well. So I'm a big fan of the upside with both of those guys. You know, for me personally, you know I think every receiving core should have. An alpha, you know, a guy who can win on the boundary with size, right? But then also guys who can separate and kind of stretch the defense thin with their speed and explosiveness. And I think Tucker and Scott are both guys who can do that. Excellent stuff, man. Um, let's let's shift gears here. Uh, a guy that you kind of brought up at the beginning of the show here, uh, a guy like Arquan Bush, cornerback. Uh, and you know, I mean. Bearcats or the you know UC has, has plenty of Bearcats in, in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. I think it was six that were drafted last season uh, on that side. Uh, you got Arquan Bush. You got a uh, Javon Hicks as well uh, at safety. What uh, what's the uh, the profile for them look like? Yeah. Uh, I'll start with Hicks real quick because he's a little lower. Uh, I think he probably hits the undrafted pool. Uh, I think he does have really good size. I think I think um, around 6'1", 207 with over 32-inch arms, if I remember correctly. Let me check the numbers here. Yeah, 32-and-a-half-inch arms. So, you know, he's got size for sure. He's physical coming downhill. I mean, that's one thing that shows up on tape is that he's very physical. He's willing to dish out contact. Um, you know, there are times where he'll overshoot tackling angles. You know, the tackling technique can improve a little bit, but he, you're, you don't have to worry about him his willingness, right? That's something that shows up and the size is very good too. Uh, not great speed, not great explosiveness. And I think that was reflected at the pro day with the four, six forty, the 33 and a half inch vertical. So I think probably a guy who with his size and physicality gets, um, you know, a, a special teams opportunity as a PFA, right? He, he does have some versatility with his alignments. He's shown he can play too high. Uh, he's shown he can come to the box too. So I think that'll help him if he needs to, you know, get on the field defensively early on, but, probably looking at a pfa special teams guy arquan bush is higher on my board i have an early day three on him i'm actually a big fan of his profile um, i think one thing that i really like about him is the um the experience of the slot and the boundary he played the slot when kobe bryant and the sauce gardner were there then when they left he moved out to the boundary uh, along with jaquan shepherd uh man i i was a big fan of you know him in both spots i think one thing that you're getting with arquan bush Right, he's six foot, you know, under 190 pounds, and he's got under 30 inch arms. So not the biggest guy, you know, on the field, but he is chippy. He is tenacious as a competitor. I mean, he's gonna let you have it. Um, he's pretty. I, I think he plays with more athleticism than he tested with, and he didn't test poorly uh, by any means. I think uh, four, five, four, 40 yard dash. He's got enough speed, enough explosiveness, but you know, for me, it's really the high energy twitch, the agility, 
the change of direction. You know, he's got great traits on that end. He's got good technique, and I think he's been improving that over the course of his career. Uh, he he's one of those guys who kind of you know aside from his size, which I graded as slightly below average. You know, he graded very well. You know, very well-rounded profile for me. You know, I think he's explosive, good speed, good technique, good physicality, run support. You know, all those tools are there for him, and I think especially with the slot boundary versatility. Maybe a guy that doesn't quite have an elite ceiling, but I think he's a guy that, especially in the NFL, where that kind of versatility is coveted, he's a guy who can be a very good rotational CB early on and maybe you know work his way into a starting role and be a solid starter. That's that's good stuff. That's that's a, that's a better outlook than I, I would have had previously. So definitely something to watch out for there uh, for Bearcats fans for sure. I, I'd always been a, a, a big fan of Arquan Bush, like like I think. Uh, a lot of what you just said is definitely true, uh, so I would love to see him to get that sort of recognition. Uh, Ian, as we s- sort of, r- I got a couple more questions here for you, but as we sort of wrap up the uh, the, the individual sort of outlooks, is, is there anyone else that I didn't bring up that you think we should keep an eye on for the draft? Yeah, I think... Um you know, I think, and that's kind of the the majority of who I've watched is who I brought up. There's some guys that I'm I'm going through the numbers now. Will Huber is one. You know, the number, just the numbers, kind of intrigued me. Four seven two forty at six four two forty one, uh, six nine one three cone thirty four thirty five inch vertical ten four broad. So hey, I mean that's one where you know at the very least if you're not drafted, your numbers can help you get a PFA opportunity. And that that's one that stands out to me. Leonard Taylor, I mentioned him earlier. I don't think. You know, maybe he gets drafted, fringe seventh rounder, but running a 498 doesn't help his cause. But he was a guy at the Shrine Bowl who interviewed pretty well. You know, I think he played well during practices, showed he could separate one on ones. Uh, and his blocking ability is very evident on tape. I think, especially in the NFL, where, you know, you need deep tight end rotations and you need solid blockers, right? I could see him, you know, picking up a practice squad spot, you know, maybe getting elevated, being that third or fourth guy, and just being a solid utility player. I could see that for him. Charles McClellan is one that I'll bring up. I think at the Shrine Bowl, he's really dynamic. I think he he I think he has a little bit faster speed on tape than he time than he timed at pro day with four five six. Um, but he's another guy who's dynamic, flash receiving ability. So you know we'll see if he gets drafted. Uh, but one more guy, Jeremy Cooper. I mentioned him earlier as well. Uh, he's one that I want to see him keep improving his hand usage and, and synergy as a pass blocker. Um, but as a run blocker, especially you know I think his combination of natural leverage and proportional length. Uh, is very appealing. I think he's six foot two, three nineteen, but over thirty four inch arms. So you're looking at a guy who's really dense, compact, can get under his opponent very easily. But with those thirty four inch arms, he can club him. You know, he can exert power with ease. Um, and I think he's flashed some really good corrective athleticism when he's out in space as a run blocker and just correcting his angle ahead of contact. Uh, so I'm a fan of the tools that are there with Robert Cooper, with Jeremy Cooper. You know, probably a PFA guy if I had to guess, but. If he does hit the PFA pool, he's one guy. He'd be one of the first guys that I'd call and just get in my OL room and you know see if I can develop those tools. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, plenty, plenty of things for Bearcats fans to to look out for uh, as we head to the to the NFL draft for 2023. I, I got just a couple like not ne- not necessarily player specific specific questions for you, Ian. Um, I don't know if you heard uh colin coward's comment i think it was maybe last week or or maybe by the time you're listening to this it's been a couple weeks now uh but he proclaimed that 
Cincinnati, a, a basketball school for, for most of our, our history, uh, has the most best players at their position in the NFL. He, he quoted uh, Travis Kelsey being the best tight end, his brother Jason Kelsey being the best center in the league, and, of course, Sauce Gardner being, being the best cornerback. Uh, as an outsider here and someone that we bring in to make sure we're not just talking ourselves in circles and uh, sort of you know just relying on our, the Bearcats echo chamber, if you will, is, is that a, a statement that you, that you can agree with? I mean, hey, that's. I think it's possible, man. I mean, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't jump and run with it, but I will say, you know, there's only so many positions in football, and having three of the best guys, right, is is that's a big chunk, and that's something that some schools might not be able to match. Jason Kelsey is still one of the top guys in the game at center, you know, at his age, which is very impressive. I don't think anyone is disputing that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end. I think that's pretty much set in stone. Yeah, Sauce no Gardner. way. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's a, that's a done deal right there. And Sauce Gardner as well, man. I mean, just year one, straight up, just dominating, man. I mean, he's physical, you know. And there's some guys, you know, aside from those few who, you know, aren't the best at their position, but are coming up, right? I think Derek Forrest at Washington is morphing into a very underrated player, very good safety. But yeah, I mean, I think three three of the top guys at their positions, right? I mean, it's a pretty big chunk. So I think. I'd have to go through and do a full accounting of, of it and see, you know, if any other schools match up. You know, obviously, you look at schools like Alabama and Ohio State, you know, LSU, maybe they have two, one or two or maybe three. But, I mean, Cincinnati's up there, man. I think they definitely have a bigger chunk than people give them credit for. Absolutely. I'll take that. Absolutely. Last question here for you, Ian. Uh, you know, we've we brought up guys that are already in the league. Of course, Sauce, uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you brought up Derek Forrest. Uh, Des Ritter being named QB1 in, in Atlanta. Um, and a lot of these guys that we expect to be drafted this this year in, in 2023, they did play large parts in that college football playoff run. Does the success of, of guys like Sauce and Des and Kobe Bryant, D Derek Forrest, does that play a part in how likely a, a, a team – might does it make it more likely for, for a team to, to take a, a risk on a guy from Cincinnati or to to be more inclined to to draft a guy because they've seen that you know there, there's guys coming out of this program that have panned out and have been uber successful D does that exposure from guys being in the league and being successful make it easier for the guys coming up I think um you know yes and no I think it, at a certain point you you do have to acknowledge that a school is producing these guys at a level higher than you know similar schools in their you know in their you know range, right? And I think Cincinnati. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're moving to the Big Twelve, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's that's another big move. You know, that's one where it's like you're upping the competition level a little bit. You know, that's going to draw more prospects, recruits to you, right? And then that's going to you know kind of elevate your floor, and that can in turn elevate your ceiling down the line. Down the line. So I think. You know, there is something to be said about it where like, hey, this school is really generating a lot of these prospects. And then at the same time, those prospects probably set a culture that's developing more guys. Right. So I think it is a positive feedback loop and keeps, you know, kind of cycling through Luke Fickle moving to Wisconsin is something that could affect it. But again, I think at, at, at a certain point, it's, you know, Cincinnati has a reputation. You know, they are producing on the football side. And that speaks for a lot. You know, I think as a scout, it's important not to scout the helmet right you know you never want to say like oh this guy's from cincinnati we should or shouldn't draft him right but i think uh for the program itself 
you know, it's always a good thing to produce talent. I think at a certain point, you know, the record speaks for yourself and that can in turn feedback and, and help you produce more in the future. So I think it, it only does positive things for you, especially when you have a guy like Sauce Gardner come out and dominate right away. Uh, that's that's big. You know, that can be really big. So I think it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Uh, again, you never want to scout the helmet if you're a scout, but, you know, some schools have that way of just producing talent. And I think Cincinnati's becoming one of them. Great stuff, as always, Ian. I always love having you on uh, to talk about the draft prospects, the draft profiles of our players. Uh, you certainly know your stuff. If uh, you're listening and you're not following Ian on, on Twitter, uh, you definitely need to do so. I, I noticed that the, the Twitter handle changed recently, Ian. Uh, it's at IC underscore draft. Uh, he is with the Pro Football Network, uh, profootballnetwork.com. Uh, you know, if they want to read some... Uh, some draft scouting reports or or some more of your work where can they find you yes you can find those scouting reports at ic underscore draft on twitter i've also got an author page at pfn you can check out uh that's basically where it is uh, that's that's kind of the hub at this time but i'll also shout out my guys over at college football network cam meller ollie hodgkinson uh, they are covering all of college football uh starting this year and they're they're gonna have a ton of great content on cincinnati and other teams going forward so Make sure you give them a check. Make sure you get you check them out as well at College Football Network. They're uh, doing some great work over there. But yeah, at IC underscore draft is where you can find the draft work. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what happens, man. I think the Cincinnati class has a chance to get a few solid picks in there, and we'll see where it goes from there. But a, a lot of uh, a lot of exciting times in the future. Absolutely, Ian. Uh, until next time, uh, I hope you uh, continue the great work all the success in the world. I know I love, even if it's a player not from Cincinnati, someone that intrigues me and I see a draft profile that you do, I always make sure that I read it. I definitely encourage the listeners to do the same. And uh, if we don't talk before the next next year's draft, I'll see if we can't work you in here sometime in the uh, in our first year in the Big 12 or, or see what we got going on here because you always deliver and I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir, and I appreciate the chance to come on. I always love talking with you. Until next time, we're gonna, especially with how many, how much talent Cincinnati pumps out, man. There will be a next time. I'm pretty confident. So, well, I'll see you then. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it, and you have a good night. All right, I definitely want to thank Ian for coming on, giving us his breakdown, his thoughts on to where the Bearcats will land in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, be sure to check him out on, on Twitter. That's at IC underscore draft. Uh, and check out some of his works on profootballnetwork.com. Uh, I'll have a, a link to his Twitter and a link to the website so you can check out some of his work. Be sure to do that uh, as he does high quality, very good stuff. As we continue to keep this podcast rolling, please uh, go ahead and share it with, with a friend, a like-minded Bearcat a fan or someone that enjoys beer as we are now mixing in some beer featured episodes, beer heavy episodes in the off season. Uh, Bearcats and beers can't go wrong either way. I don't think be sure to follow cats, Keller social club and go beer cats on Twitter. Be sure to join the cats, Keller social club on Inst or on the Discord, join the Discord. I don't know what I'm talking about. Instagram here, join the the Catskeller Social Club Discord, now infamously known as that shitty Discord ran by those other people. Uh, 
conversation is a flowing in the Discord. Join that. And of course, be sure to check out the, the social clubs, my partners in the Cascaller Social Club, Cincy Slangin and Viva La Cats podcasts. All high quality, great stuff as well. Until next time, I'll leave you with this. As always, cheers. Go Bearcats.